And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning and this reminder as we come to the table of the Lord later on, this reminder of what this table is about as we remember his death till he come. Let us unite together in prayer and let us seek the Lord. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we rejoice tonight, this morning, in thy goodness and grace toward us. We thank thee for this fresh day in which we can come and meet with thee. We thank thee that we can lift our voices to thee, not only in praise, but in prayer. We can read the precious word of God that focuses this morning our attention afresh upon the sacrifice of our Savior upon Calvary. And Father, as we come to remember his death, and as we come to remember his blood that was shed for us, his body that was broken for us, and we pray that thou would give us grace, that we would receive that grace from thee, that we would rejoice that we are the children of the Lord. Father, we remember those outside of Christ, those who have not turned from sin, those who are still on that path that leads to destruction. And we pray that thou would have that word for them this day. May they, as they sit with this table spread, realize that they cannot partake because they know not the Savior. And may this table be a witness to them that they need the Savior, that their sin must be dealt with, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Father, today we pray that thou would move and apply thy word to every heart. We pray that as we gather here, we would glorify thy name. That we would live for thee. That thou would convict us of our sin. And convict us of those things that are done in disobedience to thee. And Father, we pray that... Uh, we would leave this building today rejoicing in thy presence and rejoicing in the working of thy spirit within our lives. Our Father, we do pray for the needs we have here as a congregation. Uh, we do remember the uh, Sunday school that took place this morning. Bless uh, amongst the children, we pray, and the teachers. We pray for thy hand to be upon the families of this congregation. Meet their needs, we ask of thee. Bless them. May they know and enjoy a household salvation. Move in saving power, we pray. We do remember, Father, and those who are in particular need. We do remember the Hansons today. Their brother Vern, we pray that he would know thy continued help and presence and strength. Father, we remember Debbie also. Uh, do you remember Clayton Snow? And uh, Father, we remember our brother Colin and his mother and her needs today. Uh, we pray that uh, they would know and she would especially know uh, thy help and thy strength and thy presence. Our Father, we uh, do uh, remember the Gulliger family as well, and uh, we think of Calvin. We pray that thou would uh, give much grace and comfort and help there. 
And as uh, they await the results of tests, we pray that uh, these tests would be favorable, that thy hand would be seen in all of this. And we pray that he would know the touch of the great physician. Father, we remember our radio broadcast as well, uh, not only in this area, but in other places across Canada. Bless this work, we pray, and may it be used by thee to uh, save precious souls, uh, to build thy church, that the gates of hell will not uh, prevail against it. Father, we pray today that as we gather, thou would uh, give us a greater love for Christ. May our love for thee grow more as we consider all that thou hast done for us. Father, come and minister to our hearts. Come and bring us closer to thee. May that be our desire as thy people. Oh, for a closer walk with God. May that be the desire of every heart gathered in thy presence today, that as we meet today around thy table, around thy truth, that we would know that closer walk with thee. And Father, bless us, do us good. As we continue in thy worship, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn again in our hymnals, the hymn 586, the hymn 586. Last Lord's Day evening, I made a mistake in writing down the hymns for our musicians. And I picked this hymn and didn't realize that I didn't know it till we announced it. And we uh, sang it. Uh, we got on very well, thanks to the help of our pianist. And uh, it was great words here. We sang it on, uh, we sang it last night with the men in the prayer meeting. And we're going to sing it this morning. It may be a tune that may be a little unfamiliar to some. Uh, but uh, we'll stand and uh, we'll sing this hymn. And as we sing it, uh, we trust that you'll learn the tune and enjoy the words as we praise our Savior. 586, looking to Jesus, we'll stand as we sing.
Amen. Man, you may be seated. We're going to uh, turn in the scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Uh, we uh, did read from this passage last Lord's Day and uh, when we dealt with the importance of creeds and confessions in light of the Protestant Reformation. And as uh, I was reading that passage in light of last Lord's Day, uh, there's a verse here that we're going to bring this morning as we come uh, to the table of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll commence our reading at verse 1. The Word of God says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how the Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, after that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Amen. And we'll end there at verse 20, trusting the Lord will bless the public reading of his precious and inerrant word today. This point in our service, we do want to extend a warm word of welcome to all gathered in. We do have a number of visitors with us, and we especially welcome you and trust you'll know the Lord's blessing and feel at home with us today. 
Do you remember the uh, service at Langley Lodge Kerhome at 1.45? And of course, we have communion before, uh, after the uh, sermon this morning as well. But Langley Lodge Kerhome, 1.45, and we'll be there to conduct our monthly service. Tonight at 5.30, we have our prayer meeting downstairs and then our evening worship service at 6 p.m. And we encourage you to come back and to worship the Lord with us. Tomorrow night, uh, there is a session and board meeting. So if the members of the session and board uh, can uh, remember that. And then on Wednesday, our prayer meeting and Bible study in the prayer room and on Zoom. And please contact me if you would like to have the Zoom link uh, for that meeting. And if you're not already on that list. Do remember as well that uh, the latest edition of the current magazine for our denomination is available. It's on the whole table, and so please take a copy. If you're visiting with us this morning, uh, feel free to take a copy as well, and that uh, can give you some news uh, regarding uh, our denomination. There are some good articles in there uh, for your reading as well. These are all uh, the announcements. There are a number of other things mentioned in the bulletin, uh, but I'll leave that there. And we're going to uh, turn in our hymnals uh, to the hymn, to the hymn number 128. And the hymn 128 will remain seated for the first part while our tithes and offerings uh, for the Lord's work are received. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. 128 will remain seated for the first part, please. pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come unto thee this morning. We thank thee, Lord, that thou hast brought us into thy sanctuary, that we may be under the preaching of the word. We thank thee, Lord, for all thy blessings that you give to us. We ask that you would take our tithes and our offerings, that you would use them and bless them, that your word may go forth over the airwaves, over the internet, in this house, we ask, Lord, that you would bless the givers as well. Bless us this day as we meet around your table. 
Bless us under the preaching of the word, and we ask that you'd be with our pastor, that you would give him the words to speak. Bless all, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and sing the remainder of this hymn, please. be seated. We're going to turn again in the Word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it is good that everyone is here today. And sometimes on a Lord's Day such as this, when the clocks change, uh, there are those who uh, this time of year show up a little early. And this morning, I showed up a little early, so I'm told, on the radio. Uh, I went out at 8.30 instead of 9.30. And so I think the radio has got the times mixed up today. Uh, But we haven't, and we're glad you're here uh, to worship and fellowship uh, with us uh, today. Uh, So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll, we'll read again. Uh, verse number three. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how the Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. How the Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Amen. Let us unite together in prayer and let us seek the Lord as we come and consider his word this morning. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we rejoice in thee today. We rejoice, Father, in thy word. Thy word that reminds us, as well as the hymns that we have sung, thy word reminds us of what the Savior did for us, in that he died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And we thank thee today, O God, that we have a wondrous message to proclaim And we have this glorious gospel of Christ. May we not hide it. May we not hide it under a bushel. But may we live it out that all men would see its light. And they would be compelled by thy spirit to flee this world. To flee the pleasures of sin. To flee the snares of the devil. And to place their faith and trust in the Savior. Father, we pray that thou would... As thy people give us a great joy and gladness within our hearts for the Savior. Thou would speak to those outside of Christ. Father, draw them uh, to thee, we pray. 
and do a work of grace in their hearts. Bless us and do us good and give that help we need, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Why are we here? That is a question that many ask of humanity, but it is also an excellent question for the church of Jesus Christ to ask. Why are we here? Why are you here? Why are we gathered here today as the church around the table of the Lord? And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the verse 3, it gives us the answer to those questions. We are here because Christ died for our sins. As we considered last Lord's Day, for those who weren't here, we looked at the importance of creeds and confessions within the church of Christ, and we considered these verses as a stepping stone to what we said about creeds and confessions. And this chapter is an example of a creed or a confession. These verses, especially verses 3 to 5, give us a concise explanation or summary as to what the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is. And as one commentator put it, the gospel recounts what Jesus Christ did to save sinners. The gospel is the good news of God concerning his son Jesus Christ who died upon the cross to save sinners. And the gospel is a proclamation of historical facts concerning Christ. Verse 3 and verse 4 it tell us this. Christ died and that he was buried. Those are historical facts. We believe those events to be true, that they actually happened, that Christ died and that he was buried. And then we have the spiritual purpose here, the spiritual aspect. He died for our sins. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And the scriptures teach us the purpose of Christ in coming into this world to die for our sins. And the truths of the gospel, our sin, our misery, our need of Christ, his death for us, his spirit a working faith and repentance in us are fundamental truths to the gospel. They are truths we ought not to give away or truths we ought to let slip within our lives and within the church. They are truths we ought not to deny. The whole theme of this chapter is the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection is a vital and pivotal doctrine of Christianity and our faith is based upon the resurrection of Christ. Verse 14 tells us, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. And so the Apostle Paul deals with this subject of the resurrection and the importance of it. We who are saved and redeemed will be resurrected because Christ was resurrected. But if the resurrection of Christ was a fraud... If it never actually happened, if Christ tonight or today is in the tomb, then our faith is in vain, our preaching is in vain. We're wasting our time as we gather today in worship. But we're reminded, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 
This chapter reminds us the victory we have over death because Christ died for our sins and that he rose again. And the apostle is writing to the believers of Corinth. There is much encouragement here regarding Christ and his resurrection, but he brings them back to the gospel that he preached. This gospel that is founded and built upon this truth that Christ died for our sins. This was the message the apostle preached. This was the message the church was built upon. This was the message unashamedly the apostle believed. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And he believed within his heart because he had experienced it himself that there is a Savior, that the Savior redeems him from sin. And there on the road to Damascus, the, the apostle Paul met the Savior. His life was changed. And he became not a persecutor of the church, but a preacher for the church. And in his missionary journeys, he came to Corinth. And there he preached this gospel that he had received. This gospel by which they are saved, verse 2. And he delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. This was the message of God. Wasn't Paul's idea, wasn't Paul's philosophy, it was God's message to the people at Corinth. And Paul came as a servant of Christ, preaching the word of Christ. Paul was there in Corinth because of Christ. Those believers in Corinth who were part of the church and who received this epistle from the apostle were there because of Christ. And dear believer, you and I are here today because of Christ. Those who believe, those who received are here today because of Christ. Those of you who know not the Savior and have never turned from sin, you're here today because of Christ. God's grace in giving you an opportunity to hear the gospel. God's grace in sending Christ so his people can meet together. And you've come and you've joined with us. We're all here because of Christ. And we are all here because Christ died for our sins. And that's what I want us to consider this morning. That question, why are we here? And we are here because of Christ. That is our title today, here because of Christ. And firstly, I want you to see we are here because Christ fulfills Scripture. We are here because Christ fulfills Scripture. Notice what verse 3 says. How the Christ died for our sins. Was this the idea of the apostle? Was this something that the disciples had engineered themselves? No. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And therefore, in the word of God, there is this thread, as it were, running through scripture. That goes from Genesis through to Malachi. That goes again into the New Testament scriptures at this point in time. There was no New Testament. It was the Old Testament. But that thread continues into the Old. And it's a thread that is drawn through the Word of God. And it points toward the Savior, the Messiah, the one who would die for our sins. And the Old Testament reveals the Savior. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we see something here of the need 
of the Savior. Adam and Eve had sinned. Man had fallen. And what does God do? He gives this great promise called the Proto-Evangel, the first time the gospel is preached, the first message of the gospel, the first evangelistic message. <coughs> the Proto-Evangel. Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The first mention of one who would come, the one who would be the Messiah. And as history passed, and as God's revelation came upon generation by generation, they saw more and more of what this was about. The Savior, the Messiah, the mercy of God. Man had lost communion with God. Man had fallen into sin. Genesis 3 explains to us that sin entered into this world and death by sin, and so men have Men will die because men have sinned. But yet there's a promise of one who will be the deliverer, one who would be the Messiah. And that promise was revealed time and time again. We can think of Noah. We considered Noah last night at our men's prayer meeting. And Noah built an ark. We know the children's song, perhaps Mr. Noah built an ark. But that ark points to the Lord Jesus Christ. That ark of salvation for Noah. That one door that was in that ark that him and his family went in and God shut it. Points to the one way of salvation. It points to the ark of refuge that is the Lord Jesus Christ who died upon Calvary for our sins. Again an account that we know much about. An account that is Noah in this world, Noah and the ark, Noah and the flood. But yet the ark points to the need of men and women to get right with the God of heaven concerning their sins. If we turn to Psalm 22, Psalm 22, we see a psalm that has its great fulfillment upon the cross of Christ. Verse 1, my God, my God, why? Hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. A psalm that speaks to us of the death of the Savior. There are other things in this psalm. We won't uh, turn uh, to them. But those opening words, the cry of Christ from the cross, forsaken. He was forsaken by God because he had upon him the sin of his people. The spotless and pure Lamb of God, as the Word of God tells us, was made sin for us. If we turn to Isaiah chapter 53, uh, we find that this chapter, written by the prophet, speaks much to us about the death of the Savior. The one who was a tender plant. The one who was oppressed, verse 7, and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. This chapter speaks vividly of the one who would be the suffering servant, the one who would die, the lamb of God who was slaughtered for sin. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, 
He hath put him to grief, verse 10, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. The Old Testament scriptures speak of Christ and speak of how the Messiah would suffer and die for the sins of his people. Moving into the, Old, the New Testament scriptures we have in Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter 5, the verse 17, the Savior says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He came to fulfill. To fulfill those Old Testament prophecies. Matthew 1, 21 speaks of the name Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And his death is the very purpose and the message of scripture. The Old Testament is all about Christ. There in Luke 24, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the Savior spoke to them about the things contained in the word of God. He spoke to his disciples in the upper room in that chapter about the things contained in the Psalms and in the prophets concerning him. Savior is the message of Scripture. And he died for our sins according to the Scriptures. His death is the very purpose and message of Scripture. And then, dear believer, we believe that message. We believe he died for us. We should not neglect the Scriptures. We should not ignore the Word of God. We see that especially in light of the Old Testament that prophesies of the Savior coming. The Old Testament today in many circles is cast aside. It's old. It's obsolete. It's the New Testament we have to be concerned about. It's the New Testament we need, they say. But the Old Testament reveals our glorious Savior who fulfilled it all. The same is true of the Ten Commandments. Christ's coming and Christ's death did not change those commandments. It did not alter those commandments. We are to delight in the law of God and delight in those commandments. And therefore, all of Scripture... Dear believer, all of Scripture is to be precious to you because it reveals your Savior. It reveals your Christ. When we come to the table of the Lord today, we come to receive grace from Him. We come to remember His death. And how do we know about His death? We find it in the Scriptures. That death that moves us. That death that He suffered out of compassion and love for us. It's found in the scriptures. Oh, that we would read and study. Oh, that we would have the scriptures held in high esteem in our lives, in our homes, and in our churches. Because it is the scripture that speaks of Christ. He fulfilled the law perfectly because we couldn't. And that is why we are here. His perfect righteousness imputed to us because he fulfilled the law in our stead. Oh, are you trusting the Christ of Scripture today? Are you here because in the Word of God you've seen that Christ fulfills it all? The blessed Savior revealed in Scripture. You're here because you read it. You're here because the Lord revealed it to you. You're here because you believe that truth. Or were you trusting in the Christ of Scripture? And then secondly, we see that we are here because Christ died for our sins. That is what our passage is directly teaching us here. 
Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And we are here meeting together as God's people. We are here preaching the word of God. Why? Because there is a message to proclaim. Because Christ did die for our sins. And the main thrust in the chapter, of course, is the resurrection. But our focus today is verse 3. Christ dying for our sins. And it was essential and necessary that Christ would die for our sins according to the scriptures because you or I could never save ourselves. This table before us, dear believer, it reminds you, it reminds me that we could never accomplish our salvation. We are not believers because we reach some sort of of rank or pinnacle regarding good works or morality within our lives. We're believers because Christ died for our sins. And this table reminds us of this. And this table reminds those who are outside of Christ here today that there is a Savior from sin. And that Savior is not you. And that Savior could never be you. That Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. The bread that reminds us of his broken body. The cup that reminds us of his shed blood. It's all about our Savior and not about us. We can never save ourselves. If you're relying upon yourself and your good works and who you are and upon maybe a Christian background, you're relying in vain. In vain. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you're relying upon all those things, your background, etc., and not the Savior, you're not saved. You're not redeemed. Salvation is of the Lord. We see this, Philippians chapter 3. Paul the Apostle was a great man of religion, great man within Jewish society, Philippians 3, uh, we see in verse 3, for we are the circumcision. This is the true believer, the one whose heart has been circumcised, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. That word rejoice in the Greek means boast. And have no confidence in the flesh. And so the true believer does not have confidence in who they are. Does not have confidence in the works of the flesh, but in Christ. We see that here. And he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And this morning, if you were to say, well, I can trust in my flesh. I'm a good person. And I work for this charity. And I come and I come to the church and I pay money into the church to support the ministry of the church. And I help others out. And I try not to do those things that are bad and evil and wicked. I try my best to be good. Paul the Apostle would turn around and say, well, I'm better than you because of who I was. And he says who he was. He was circumcised. He was of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He had zeal. He thought he was serving God and persecuting the church. He thought he was serving God. He says, if you think... You've more to trust in the flesh. He says, I more. But what things were gained to me, verse 7, those I counted loss for Christ. 
Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung that I may win Christ. Everything in his life, all these great characteristics that he had, this great heritage, he said, I count them but dung, absolutely worthless, revolting, disgusting, not something to desire. They're all dung that I may win Christ. He realized that Christ was the answer to everything. And you today, if you think you can earn salvation, Paul says, I was better than you, but I still need a Christ. I was more religious and zealous, and I had this great history, but I still needed the Savior. I still needed his salvation. I still needed him to change my life. And now everything else is but tongue in comparison to the excellency of Christ. Oh, is that how you feel today? When you look around you, everything is worthless when you compare them to the Lord Jesus Christ. The fairest of 10,000 to my soul, the blessed lily of the valley, the one who shed his blood and died for our sins. He died for our sins because there was no other savior. There is one God, Paul said, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The one who died for the sins of his people. Andrew Gray, the old Scottish Puritan. He died at a very young age, the age of 22, I believe. He said this, Oh, what a sight it was to see those blessed hands that never wrought iniquity, to be pierced through. And his precious feet, the sound whereof, was never heard in the paths of unrighteousness, to be thrust through. And that blessed sight of his pierced with a lance. Oh, what a sight it was to see the infinite and eternal Son of God so handled for our cause. Christians stand astonished at this. Do we stand astonished how the infinite and eternal Son of God died for us? This is a table of astonishment to us because Christ died for our sins. The holy and pure, infinite, eternal Son of God humbled himself, humiliated himself to die for us. And as we come to his table, that is what we're remembering. We who could not save ourselves, Christ died for us and Christ suffered for us. Sin is that disease that can only be healed through Christ. And that work is an effective work. What does our text say in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3? says how the Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And the people of God can testify to that fact. He bore our burdens and our curse on Calvary as he suffered. The wrath of God for us, it was finished. Christ cried out, it is finished. That phrase in the Greek is one word. It's a word that means complete or concluded or accomplished. To make an end of something, to perform a completed act. 
And those meanings show forth what Christ did for you and I upon the cross. He finished it. We consider this morning the Judaizers in the adult Sunday school and how they sought to add to the work of Christ the ceremonies of Judaism. The work of salvation in their mind was not completed. You had to conform to these ceremonies and trust Christ. But the word of God tells us Christ died for our sins. That's enough. It's finished. That work of salvation is finished. Peter tells us Christ also hath suffered hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. It's a sufficient work and an effective work. Hymn writer said, For me, Lord Jesus, thou hast died, and I have died in thee. Thou art risen, my bands are all untied, and now thou livest in me. An effective effect salvation. The Savior said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And dear believer, as we come to the Lord's table today, we're reminded of that. It's a sufficient and a finished work. We will never be lost. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan and brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary for us and for our salvation. And Christ died for our sins. Not some of them, but all of them. And we can rest assured and have that assurance that all is well with our souls. Oh, do we rejoice in the salvation of Christ? Do we rejoice that he died for us? Do we rejoice today coming to the Lord's table? Or do we think, well, the service is going to be a little longer because it's communion Sunday. And therefore, we sing an extra hymn. And we have an extra reading. And we have some prayers. And then the elders have to walk around with the bread and wine. And it takes time. Is that your attitude today? Are you desirous that we come to the table? Desirous to partake, to think of Christ who died for you, who redeemed you. A hell-deserving sinner, but saved by his grace. Do you know him today? Do you know the power of his salvation? How that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Oh, that you would turn from sin and believe. This table will be a witness to you that Christ can save. And Christ will save those who come unto him. Dear believer, Christ died to redeem us from our sins, that we would live righteously and not live unto sin. In Romans 8, we are reminded, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Paul told the church in Colossians, Mortify therefore your members, put them to death. That does not mean put to death the members of the church, by the way. Mortify therefore your members. Meaning, yourself and your faculties and who you are. Mortify them. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, evil desires and lusts. That's what it means. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Mortify those members. Mortify yourself is what the apostle is saying. Deal with that sin by the grace and help and power of the Spirit. Because Christ died for you and Christ died for that sin. 
And we're not to live in sin because Christ died for us, but we're to flee that sin because Christ died for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, we are reminded there regarding the Lord's table that we are to examine ourselves. Let a man examine himself. And so in light of Christ dying for our sins, we're to examine ourselves. Are we living in sin? Is lust gaining the victory over us? Are the things in our lives that we need to sort out by the grace of God? We're to examine ourselves. Many churches only hold the Lord's table once or twice a year. It's, it's a big event for them. I'm not critical of that. But some of those churches would be critical of a more regular communion like we have once per month. Or those churches that have communion every week. But the great counter to that criticism is this thought. Examine yourselves. And we're to do that all the time as believers. We're to be sanctified by the Spirit of God and that involves an examining of ourselves. But the Lord's table, in light of what the Apostle commands in 1 Corinthians 11, is a motivation and an opportunity afresh for us to do so. And therefore, when we regularly come to the Lord's table, we are regularly reminded in 1 Corinthians 11, examine yourself. A regular examining of ourselves in light of Scripture. And that's what we need. That's what we need. We should always be examining ourselves. And let it encourage us. Let coming to the Lord's table encourage us to look at ourselves, to mortify, to put to death the sin within us. Why? Because Christ died for that sin. Why then would we live in sin? Let us by God's grace put it to death and live righteously for him. But I want you to notice here thirdly that we are here not only because Christ died for us but because Christ was preached to us. We see this in uh, verse 2 and verse 3 by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless ye have believed in vain. For I have delivered you unto, unto you first of all that which I also received how the Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The Corinthians had received the gospel through the preaching of Christ. And this gospel then is the foundation not only of their church, but every church. It was preached in the establishment of the church, and it is preached for the edification or the building up of that church. And that reminds us very clearly that we are to place ourselves under a church ministry that makes much of the gospel of Christ, that preaches Christ. A desirous, being desirous of a ministry that places the gospel at the rightful center place. And that is important. That is important. Are you holding fast to the truths of the gospel that have been preached? Are you focused upon the need of the preaching of the word of God? So many places preaching is set aside. It's not needed. It's not necessary. But yet the word of God tells us about the preaching of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1. The primacy of preaching. We consider that at the adult Sunday school as well. How these churches in the book of Acts were established and built. And furthered through what? The preaching 
of the gospel of Christ. The preaching of Christ and his cross. Foolishness to the world. Foolishness to the world, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, the power of God. We are here because Christ is preached and Christ has been preached to us. Maybe through personal witness rather than a sermon from a pulpit, but regardless, Christ was set forth as the way of salvation. We are here because Christ is preached here. We are here because Christ has been preached to us. We are here at the Lord's table because of the preaching of Christ. Let us desire that. Let us treasure that. And that is our duty as a church and our duty as believers to desire the setting forth of Christ and his truth. It is fundamental here to the church of Corinth, understanding and knowing the gospel of Christ. Paul isn't coming here to these believers and saying, it may be true that Christ died. And in case it's true, we are to make sure we're right with God. But I'm not entirely sure, but just in case, just in case, Paul was absolutely convinced. It was not a maybe about the gospel. He knew it was the truth. And therefore, the truth, as we've said before, the truth should motivate us to act. The truth should motivate us to act. The fire alarm went off in this building and we started to see smoke and flames. What does that truth do to you? It encourages you to run for the exit, to get out of here. And the truth of the gospel, the truth that Christ died for sinners, should motivate you to seek him for your soul's salvation. It should motiv motivate the believer to desire that truth and to have that truth preached and to be a witness of that truth. How can you be saved? How can you be sure of salvation? Listen to the preaching of Christ. Don't ignore the scriptures being expounded and applied. Christ was preached. We ought to treasure preaching. We ought to desire preaching. Today we have access to more preaching than this world ever has access to. If I said at the end of this service I'm going to sit down and I'm not going to preach again in this pulpit until I've listened to every single sermon that is on sermon audio, then I'll come back. Well, I'm never going to preach here again because there are so many sermons available to listen to that I'll never get through them all before my days are gone. We have so much access to preaching, so much access to good preaching, so much access to hearing the word of God. Let us not just limit it to the Lord's Day as well. But throughout the week, let us use opportunities to listen to preaching. To listen to the Word of God. To read the Word of God as well. To read books. As those books preach to us the truths of God and salvation. We're here because of preaching. Let us treasure it. But finally, we're here because Christ was believed by us. Christ was believed by us. They believed. They received the word. And they believed. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Their faith was put in Christ. And that is the message of the gospel, to believe. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
was the answer to the jailer. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Place your faith in him. Place your trust in him. Turn from your sin. Believe that he died to redeem sinners. And we are here redeemed and around the table of God because Christ died and we believe by the grace of God. The apostle says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Do we have a belief in God, a belief in Christ, a firm belief when troubles and trials come our way? Do we have a belief in the keeping power of God? Where is your belief? Where is your faith and your peace and rest today? May it be in the blessed Savior. Paul preached a gospel and urged men to believe. Believe. Do you believe today? Do you believe in the Savior who died for our sins? Are you resting secure that whatever happens in life, you know that he died for you? You know you're saved. You know you're delivered. There's a peace. The hymn writer said, he is not a disappointment. Jesus is far more to me than in all my glowing daydreams I had fancied he could be. And the more I get to know him, so the more I find him true, and the more I long that others should be led to know him too. He is not a disappointment. He is all in all to me. Savior, sanctifier, keeper, the unchanging Christ is he. He has won my heart's affections, and he meets my every need. He is not a disappointment, for he satisfies indeed. May we consider why we are really here. Here because of Christ. May we love him more. May we rejoice in him. May we say he is not a disappointment, for he satisfies indeed. May the Lord bless his word today for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy word this morning. We thank thee for the Savior who died for us, the Savior who died for our sins according to the scriptures. Father, we pray that each one of us would have a joy in Christ. We rejoice that we stand upon that truth and that spiritual reality that Christ died for our sins. As we come to thy table, bless us, meet our needs. We pray, Father, that we would receive that grace. We would glorify thee for all that thou hast done. And to our heart's good, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. And we're going to turn on our hymnals, the hymn 135. 135, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. 135, and we'll stand as we sing. We'll sing verse 1 and 2, the first two verses, and we'll come back to this hymn uh, after uh, the Lord's table. 135, verses 1 to 2, standing to sing, please.
seated. As we come to the table of the Lord this morning, let us turn in the scriptures to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, there are a number of verses uh, to read here, and then some from uh, chapter 5 as well. 1 John chapter 4, and the verse 7. And let us settle our hearts as we come to the Lord's table. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the saviour of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Then chapter 5, the verse 11. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know 
that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Our gospel is a gospel of love. The love of God, the love of Christ toward us. A gospel that should bring us to love one another as well. It's a gospel of assurance. And we have that in verse 13 of chapter 5. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. The gospel of Christ is a gospel of assurance. Knowing that all is well with your soul. Not a maybe. Not a I hope I am saved or I hope I am going to heaven. But I know I am. I have that peace. That satisfaction. Because of Christ and because of his sufficient death for me. Oh, that we would have that assurance. We would know, we would have that great experience of the love of God. And we would love others as well. Amen. As we come to the table of the Lord, let us remember that it is the table of the Lord. It is for the Lord's people, those who love him and are seeking to walk in his ways. If it is that you know not the Savior, that he is not your Redeemer, he is not your Savior, you're not seeking to walk in his ways, then this table is not for you. And as the plate or the cup comes your way, pass it by. We do invite those who are the Lord's people to come and partake, to come and receive the bread and the cup that reminds us of the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ. Partake as his people and receive this bread and this cup and partake in remembrance of him who is the great reason why we are here because he died for us amen, amen. I'm going to ask one of our elders here to give thanks for the bread that reminds us of the broken body of the Savior let us pray Dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that we can be Thy people. We thank Thee, Lord, that You have called us to come to worship, to hear that word preached before we come to this table. We thank Thee, Lord, for this table, that You have set it, You have prepared it for us, that we may partake, that we may remember and believe. Thank Thee, Lord. Thank you that I believe, help my unbelief, strengthen my faith, strengthen our faith as we would partake. Help us, Lord, to know what it costs thee. We thank thee, Lord, that you took the punishment willingly. You came from glory to be our Savior. Your body was racked, was scourged, crown of thorns, pierced thy scalp, spit upon and rejected. Oh, Lord, it was in our place you took this, nailed to the tree, should have been us that was nailed. You took our suffering, 
You have covered all our sin. What amazing grace, amazing love. We thank you, Lord. Help us to take it in. Help us to realize that our sin had condemned us and our Lord has saved us. He has taken all that sin upon himself that we may be reunited with our Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, help us to take this bread to remember, to believe, to trust in thee in all things. We thank thee, Lord. Be with us, we pray. Guide us in our walk and help us to praise our Savior now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hold the bread till everyone is served, and then we'll partake together, please. The word of God says that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Let us partake. ask our brother Mr. Samuel if he'll give thanks for the cup that reminds us of the blood of the Lord Jesus that was shed for us. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, O God, for this precious time of communion. Lord, as we're reminded of Your mighty sacrifice upon that cross on Calvary, and Lord, how Your blood atones for sin, our sin, and Lord, how it satisfied the the justice and wrath of God, that, Lord, you would go willingly to the cross and, Lord, as it were, take the place of the sinner and take that penalty that was due to the sinner. Lord, thank you for your blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and sin, sins of the past, future, present, Lord, that we may know this great forgiveness of sins, uh, knowing the freedom from its bondage, its guilt, and knowing the freedom that comes from having that weight lifted and being called a child of God, a friend of the Lord. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy. Help us to stay to follow thee even greater. Lord, help us to be your faithful witnesses. Lord, to the very end of our lives here on this earth. Lord, keep us for your namesake. In your name we pray. Amen.
Word of God tells us after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Let us partake. Going to turn again in our hymnals, the hymn 135. 135. When I survey the wondrous cross, and we'll sing verse 3 and verse 4. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. 135, verse 3, verse 4, and we'll stand as we sing, please. sin and to live for thee. May it encourage us to put Christ first within our lives, to live for him that he would be preeminent in all things. Father, may this table point to the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Father, give us grace, grace to live for thee, grace to have that Christ-pleasing testimony in this world. And we pray, Father, that thou would part us now with thy blessing. Take us to our homes in safety. Remember the service, the care home. Bless there, we pray. Bring us again to thy house this night. And may the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, rest, remain, and abide with us, both now and forevermore.